Welcome to Radical Change Radio. Today we are continuing our series on patterns of fate and destiny. And this is episode number 14. Our guest, so to speak, today is um, Mahipal with the topic of the warrior way. So, as you might uh, know, there are several uh, primary archetypes uh, in human culture, um, such as wizard, magician, lover, and warrior. Mahipal is uh, one of the uh, very few people uh, that I know who extremely well uh, exemplifies the warrior archetype. Um, and I'm not just talking about um, the martial aspects of life like a martial art but in general approach to everyday life uh, Mahipal is very much a warrior so today um, we have uh, our podcast on how does this warrior path work for Mahipal Mayur? yeah you want to um, tell us a little bit about your background in martial arts? Uh, sure. Well, uh, let's start this way. I was a little Indian kid, um, so I didn't didn't fit in into most places. It doesn't help when uh, you're not too big to be a threat to someone and not too small for bullies to say, oh, he picked on a small guy, but just that right size to be picked on. <laughs> and, then you have a, and, then, and if you top that with a, being a smart ass, it really doesn't help your cause. So needless to say, I kept getting my butt kicked around quite a bit as a kid, uh, and that that led to a few different things in me starting my martial arts. Uh, I've been training in it since uh, 88, I guess, 88, 89, something like that. And uh, uh have black belts in uh, Shotokan Karate, Okinawan Kenpo, and uh, Black Sash in uh, Northern Style Kung Fu until I found the present martial art that I've been studying, uh, Aiki Jiu-Jitsu, which I've been doing for a long time long long time and this has been my home for the last 17 18 years i guess something like that time's not my strength so add and subtract a year or two here and there i think we've heard that (laughs) 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 but nevertheless it's uh uh uh, it's a long time okay okay so um who are you really as a warrior wow now that's a loaded question. Um, I think I think the way I can describe the way of the warrior, I think people uh, uh, conjure up these uh, m- uh, crazy images of uh, uh, you know being this um, super strong, unable to bend, and uh, uh, super, mythical Superman. Uh, a, a Superman, right? You're right. Um, I, I think I'm far from that image, <laughs> quite frankly. You know, I think uh, I think though there are a few common traits that you'll find on the warrior path, and uh, those those traits are a sense of tenacity, uh, a sense of intensity, setting on your goal and just going for it, uh, being being driven by duty more than anything else, 
where this is a duty and you do it. The word samurai basically means uh, to serve. So it means to serve a purpose higher than yourself. And then somebody has to uh, uh, has to take on that role of uh, serving. Uh, so it's a it's this deep sense of uh, duty, and uh, there's a progression that happens in uh, in at least for my life. What I've seen uh, in terms of uh, uh, your development and uh, who the enemy is. What I mean by that is, you know, you, uh, at least for me, I started, uh, when I started martial arts, I wanted to just get through the warm-up exercises without getting an asthma attack, yeah, and being completely knocked out. And I still remember that, that what a jackass of a first sensei I had, uh, where he told me, uh, uh, if you ever make it to a yellow belt, consider yourself a success. I'll never forget that. <laughs> but <laughs> but I think, you know, uh, in so many ways, that provided the seed for me to say, no, I am, I exist, and I will. It became the goal for me to get my yellow belt. You know, that's the first step. Uh, but I think uh, that pretty much is the is the is the seed of the warrior way. In in so many ways, I didn't know this back then. But where you're faced with an impossible odd, you're faced with everything around you saying you can't do this, and a will a will emerges and you say I will or else I'll die trying and you go on that path so to me to me that's the warrior way so what happened was uh, that was the first step right and then get through the bloody warm-up exercises get my yellow belt and then it became okay I want to be able to get to my black belt so to speak and prove to my sensei he's wrong right so it was about proving the other person wrong that's how I started and then it quickly became about competing. Where I want to compete and beat the other black belts around. I learn a few other things, get a few other tricks, and start beating other styles. Then, and then went down the whole sport martial arts route. I wanted to beat people, become the best that I can be. Won a whole bunch of uh, uh, tournaments at a national uh, level. Represented my country. Okay, well, that's crap. You know, the way I think about it now is it's crap because all it did was boosting my ego and building me up towards this image of a Superman and that I can do no wrong uh, or nothing can happen to me until I guess I met my match and, uh, you know, a few injuries um, cut out my sport fighting uh, for good. And... um, but my ego still wouldn't uh, uh, take a back seat and until I ran into my sensei. And, um, well, how do I put it? Um, so when I could not compete in sport karate anymore, I decided I'm going to go from dojo to dojo competing and beating the gift and fighting with them to prove to them, at least I thought back then, to prove to them how good I am. But it was much more about me validating myself. I understand that now. Uh, and I uh, ran into my sensei, uh, Sensei Sastri. You've heard him through the podcast and me refer to him. Um, it's like a second father to me. And... Um, well, long story short, he kicked my ass, and uh, while he was kicking my ass, he told me not to break any glass around the dojo or dirty the place, or else he would use me to clean it. I still <laughs> 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 and I started on the path with him some 18-odd years ago, and he's still my sensei. I still train with him, still fly down to meet with him. And then the, the change started to happen where... 
uh, now I wanted to be as good as him and learn from him. And then now I wanted to learn the patterns. I wanted to learn the, the, the principles behind the art and, and continue to grow. And uh, somewhere along the way, the shift happens. Uh, I, I think if you stick to any art long enough, the shift happens that now no longer the enemy is you're trying to make prove a point to your sensei or beat your other classmates or go beat other styles or win accolades. And then you suddenly realize that, hey, I'm doing all this because I feel insufficient. I haven't validated myself. And the shift starts to happen where you realize that the enemy is not on the outside. The validation that you seek is not on the outside, but the enemy is inside you. And that's a hard pill to swallow because the very things that you think you hate about the world are the things you hate about yourself, actually. And the, then the process begins uh, to, to start making peace with that and start integrating that in into yourself. It's it's not an easy path. Uh, it took me a long, long time to even uh, accept my so-called flaws or mistakes or whatever you call it or uh, shortcomings and to say okay this is it but i think that is that is the big path of both being human and more specifically on the warrior way is i i, I don't like quoting these uh, so-called uh, uh, martial art experts or uh, <laughs> great swordsmen from 2500 years ago but i think he he nailed it when he said you know uh, being a warrior, uh, when you know yourself and you know your enemy, you're assured victory 100% of the time. If you know only yourself or your enemy, you'll win 50% of the time. But if you don't know yourself or your enemy, you'll lose 100% of the time. This was Sun Tzu. And I think I think that was brilliant. And I think this is where the transition happens, where you suddenly realize that there is no enemy. Hmm. There isn't one. Uh, this is your mind playing games with you and your ego coming in. It's usually people's egos and, and a sense of separation that creates that. And when that happens, I think uh, you, you you have to learn to... No, you don't have to learn. You you by default become non-violent. Because mm -hmm. uh, you cannot... You cannot be... You cannot be violent and hurt someone or something else without ultimately hurting yourself. Uh... Well, guys, it took me <laughs> 18 years to realize that. Uh, but but that's the path, and I think that's what they mean when they say, you know, that this trans this transformation happens. And you, I, I now believe that nonviolence is the way, but you don't know what nonviolence is until you've walked out the path of violence. Hmm. So that's the word you're mm -hmm. yeah. One of the... Uh ways you express your warrior archetype is that um, you language the world in 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 warrior terms yeah uh you often speak about enemy and territory fortress yeah um and you do this uh when uh, even speaking about something completely non martial art related it could be about work it could be even could be poetry relation, <laughs> relationships or, or yeah. just something uh -huh. has nothing to do with with the with the typical uh, warrior domain um and and i'm bringing this up so that our listeners can uh pay attention to your language uh, i think it's very interesting how you use it um but for you the question is um mm, 
I think you, you, you cannot help but see everything from this warrior perspective. So in what other, in what other um, domains of life do you, um, or rather, how does your warrior uh, aspect express it itself in other domains of life, not martial arts? <laughs> See, it's like asking, uh, it's like saying, you know, if, if this is something you are, then you are, uh-huh. you know, you can't, uh-huh. you cannot not be that. So uh, I, I know what you're saying. Uh, I, I think it shows up in everything I do. In fact, uh, uh, even when I read good poetry, I see martial arts or the warrior way in it, right? But like I said, the warrior way, uh, to me, it's, it's about a series of transformation. And I think I think we're all on a. I believe our life has a, a direction, a teleology. There's a pull. The threads of destiny pull you, and they pull you in specific ways. Uh, for me, it just happens. I think it it is pulling me down the warrior way, right? I rather I know. I feel it. It it's pulling me down the warrior way. So when you have these lenses, everything appears that way. It's kind of like you know, uh, um, you know, we've all played this thing where we want red glasses, mm. and when you wear red glasses, everything starts to appear red. You look at the same, you and I can be looking at the same trees, but I'll have a tinge of red in it, right? And I think instead of it being glasses, these are my eyes. My eyes seem to be red in this case, and yours may be yellow. So we are seeing the same thing and yet seeing it differently because we we, we experience this we experience this in that way. But I think, uh, uh, how does it reflect in other areas of my life? I think there are a few traits, right? One, I think, is uh, uh, tenacity. Second, I would say, is uh, intensity. Third, I'll say, is that uh, if I decide that something is right, or if I know and I feel that this is right, then I'm going to stick on that path, even if it means I'm extinguished. Right? So, uh, and then I stick to it. And uh, so some of uh, like the core principles is I, I think, you know, Everyone has the right to be as they choose to be, and the uh, you have the right to your freedom. And I stick to that, and I, I give people freedom to be who they are, say what they want, even when I when it hurts me or when I am one hundred percent against it. Uh, but I think that is uh, uh, that is uh, sometimes the price you have to pay, because I think ultimately you only have the freedoms, the, you only have the freedom to be who you are to the degree you allow others the freedom to be who they are. And that that shows up, I think that shows up in my life more than not. So uh, uh, let me give you a more concrete and practical example. In fact, uh, Sergey and I were talking about this uh, on the drive. One of the, one of the decisions I'd made while learning NLP is that I would not teach the Ericksonian model. There's no amount of uh, 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 things that People can offer me or not offer me, even in relate. Even if I'm in a relationship, and they say, "Hey, I want to learn this," I'm not going to teach it because I I made that decision. In fact, that's the only language podcast we haven't done, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so, uh, uh, so yeah, so that's how it shows up. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, let's take something uh, very specific, like say work. Yeah. Huh? Um, and uh, you work as a corporate strategist, right? Yeah. yeah. More or less. Um, so how do you think about uh, uh, new products? Let's talk through it. 
So it, it's interesting, you know. Uh, early, early uh, again, I think as I've changed in my in my development, the way I look at strategy has changed. Earlier, I used to approach it from the standpoint of uh, uh, competition and how do I vanquish them, and I got pretty good at it, right? And now the development has happened where I don't see competition. I see cooperation. So I look for where can I cooperate and where can this flourishing happen together rather than pitting resources against each other. So the framing, uh, the framing and my perspective on how I approach strategy and how I approach uh, uh, these so-called corporate wars has changed quite a bit. Mm-hmm. But when if push comes to shove, if I'm really, really pushed, I mean, you can only cooperate so much, right? Uh, I think uh, well, you've studied game theory enough to know that you know you take tit for tat, right? You 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 can't you can't always play the nice guy, but you start with that presupposition, right? So uh, the way I approach it is, I think my crest of arms, if you will, is uh, you know a rose and a sword. I will start with the rose, which means I will <laughs> approach it from peace. Uh, but if you give me no choice, then guess what? I know how to wield the sword. Well, what I find fascinating is that, yes, you, you are talking about the progression. However, it is, as you as you point out, it's the progression of the warrior mentality, right? Right. From 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 uh, uh, pure comp- competition to to cooperation to some versions of this, uh, but it's still in the same uh, uh, in the same axis of of war of warrior, you know. Um, yeah, I, I don't know how not to be it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, uh-huh. that is exactly the point. That even you know that, that the, even when you, when when you're not talking about enemies and fighting, you're still you, you're talking about say uh, fr- friends and cooperating. But it's still from the perspective of a war. It's very it's very interesting. Uh, what about a different domain? Like say um, say friendships. Yeah. Um, I was gonna suggest romantic, you know, friendships. Let's go okay. friendships. Yeah. All right. It's concrete. It's concrete between yeah. the three of us. Yeah. All right. Let's do yeah. That. Yeah. Let, let's talk about friendships for for start off. Um, how do you um, build friendships? How do you maintain them? From a warrior perspective. No, just, well, just, 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 you. just talk, talk, talk as you as you are, okay? And the warrior perspective will come out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't worry about it. <laughs> See, the way, the way I approach it is you're either my friend or you're not. As simple as that. And if you're my friend, I will be by your side. Period. No, no ifs, no buts. Mm-hmm. I will just be there. And when I disagree with you, you'll hear it from me. But you'll hear it from me privately. Right? Uh, but you're, if you're out there and uh, you're on that path to uh, towards your goal or non-goal or whatever it is, I will just be there. I will just be there. Even when you don't want me there, I'll be there. <laughs> right? Uh, I mean, you guys know that, right? I'll, uh, I, 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 I consider it both a duty and a privilege to have friendships. So I think I think it's uh, it takes uh, uh, it takes tendering to it takes uh, taking care of it 
takes uh, investing in them and nurturing them and uh, I think I do okay with that so uh, I, 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 I do I, I, I truly consider it both a duty and a privilege mm-hmm. and what about your family relationships how does this change the same way so I think Identical. yeah I think it's duty and privilege I think uh, 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 for me I think it was The Little Prince um, you, you remember that book The Little Prince mm-hmm. sure uh, growing up I used to we used to read it and I still remember where I think it was uh, he was growing a plant and he says okay now you're responsible for it and he says uh, you know responsibility is both a duty and a privilege you take care of it and it in time it takes care of you but you put yourself out there to do it so I think it's about that responsibility and that ownership mm-hmm. and uh, 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 that's how I see it man I don't know how to explain it that's that's the way I see it <laughs> so a soldier in an army uh, he has both a duty and a privilege yes okay Okay. Uh, his duty because he signed up for it privilege because uh, he has an opportunity to serve something far greater than himself and I think that's how I think of friendships too right uh, friendship is not just about me and you or you taking care of me and me taking care of you but I think uh, uh, this this synergy right creates something far greater I mean okay le- let's be practical right bring it down to a take it from a concept to practicality the three of us right I think it just hit me a couple of days ago that what really keeps RCG going is our friendship and laughter and learning think about it mm-hmm. we are reaching about 200 podcasts we'll hit a million downloads soon what really keeps this going I think I think this 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 thing far greater than any one of us individually emerged this collaborative this collaboration emerged because of of the the friendship and the glue that keeps us together. And I think that friendship and that glue is something that has to be tended to, it has to be attended to and nurtured. Because it's so easy to to not care or to disconnect and get lost in my work, my my lovers or my dance, my this, my that. Right? Mm-hmm. I think I think any relationship requires you to invest. And when you start seeing that investment as both your duty, hey, this is my friend, this is my friendship, I have to do this and I want to do this, right? And then, oh, I'm blessed because I can do this. I think I think that's that's the way I see it. In some sense, it even goes both ways, right? So uh, I mean, uh, RCG gives us an opportunity to connect also. Uh, yeah. Additionally. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Uh, no, what I'm saying is both ways. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. It is both ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, but I was just trying to connect it because mm-hmm. you guys know me, so you know what I'm talking about. But somebody who has no idea who I am and just listening there, they're like, "What the hell is he talking about?" Mm-hmm. So, so is it the warrior way? Yeah, from my perspective, it is. Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm I'm curious to find uh, something that you don't. Uh, relate to as a warrior mm, maybe love isn't that uh, both a privilege and a duty is it <laughs> not for me yeah, uh, I don't know we, we have different ways of relating to the world right <laughs> well you know look 
I've, I've been in relationships and uh, where uh, uh, you know, not, uh, not every relationship lasts all your lifetime, unfortunately. And sometimes, uh, sometimes they have to break. And I take it upon myself. Uh, in the past, I've taken it upon myself to make sure. Uh, well, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how to put it. But perhaps you know, my sense of duty overtook it. Where it was, even though it was not, it was not uh, conducive to me or uh, not uh, healthy from my own uh, personal, emotional, psychological standpoint, I still was there to take care and make sure that the other person was able to move along. And uh, the sad part is that sometimes the other person doesn't see it that way. And uh, they still see it as a way of relating, and perhaps it is a way of relating. So it does have its impact on everything I do, both both for the better and for the worse. I, I don't know how else to think about it. If one of my old relationships called me, and I've done this in the past, you guys know this, uh, even though we've had a nasty breakup, for example, and they're in trouble and they want my help, or they ask me for my help, I'll be there. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, there's no, this... there's no doubt in my mind, you know. So I, I'll just be there because if somebody has asked me for help, then I will be there. And you know, this is uh, a person I don't like or don't relate to. If uh, the way I think about it is, uh, something in me has called them to ask for my help, and if I can do it, I'll do it. Let me ask you this then: so if anybody asks you for help, like genuinely. Right, they need help. If I can do it, I do it. Yeah. See, is there a difference between like some guy on the street or some girl on the street? Right, just goes, you know, I need help. You know, help, please. Uh, which has happened too, right? Yeah. You and, remember uh, Karan and I were dancing? <laughs> that girl <laughs> sat down that whole night counseling her on the <laughs> yeah yeah versus yeah versus uh, an ex pre- or a previous ex, relationship. Yeah. Uh-huh. I think a part of me will say not to go there, not to help, but mm-hmm. I guess my sense of duty will overtake it. Mm-hmm. I guess duty is the key word. Yeah, so it seems, the way you're describing it, it almost seems like there's no difference. I mean, you may have a different emotional response to that. But it won't but, change my, it won't action, change what I do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. Is that accurate? Yeah, I think so. Uh-huh. Okay. Interesting, right? Yeah. I mean, you've seen me suffer. Uh-huh. Right? I'm not going to get into that in this podcast, but you've seen me suffer where people have actually just pushed me over the edge. I think there were more, there were at least a few times when uh, even if I had become violent, it would have been justified. Uh-huh. But I did not become violent. Uh-huh. Because it was not about them. It was about, this was a path I chose. And no matter what happens or who's, what somebody does, I was not going to. I was not going to move away from that path. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think you know. Uh, I'll go back to Frank Herbert's Dune. I haven't been back there in a long time. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think there's a line there where he exemplifies it. He's like, uh, he says, you know, uh, uh, you have to be able to show up on the battlefield naked. That's what it is. Meaning, you know, no support, nothing. Uh, you know, you're gonna die, 
and you still are there exactly as you are because mm-hmm. we all have a common god we all of us have just one common god and all of us run away from that common god death mm-hmm. that's the only thing that really binds us so instead of trying to run away from it which is it's pulling us anyway i think it's a question you know, the warrior path is uh, how do you give that sucker a fight for his life knowing very well you're going to die anyway <laughs> <laughs> Mhm. Is it something you don't perceive from these two perspectives of duty and privilege? Anything at all? How not to see something as beautiful or how not to see something as I need to do this? Uh I don't know. Photography It's beauty, right? It's a privilege. It's a beauty. Okay. All right. I mean, see, oh, photography you, you, is you, like... You equate the two, huh? beauty and privilege. Yeah, I think so. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, if you do that, then pretty much anything goes, right? So. I think so, because <laughs> I need to be excited by the privileges I have. Uh-huh. And for me, I have to be able to see the aesthetic. I think it's more than beauty, it's an aesthetic perspective, right? Mm. Uh, it's, it's where... where uh yeah uh, i think it was james joyce who talks about this aesthetic arrest where you're so involved in in the beauty in and around you and the aesthetics around you you feel the privilege of being alive mm-hmm. so yeah life and death i guess that's what it is duty is going on the path of death uh, yeah yeah uh, consciously and uh, privilege is the aesthetics where you're completely alive and grateful for it So, yin and yang, I suppose. Hmm. Yeah. Well, we started with very specifics and we came back to, you know, life and death being privilege and a duty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, if you define those like that, it's like... That's the way I see it, yeah. right? Uh, yeah. That's the way I see yeah. it. Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Fascinating. Um, well... Uh let's wrap this up uh as an initial exploration of the warrior perspective and we'll follow it up in the next podcast and trying to uh well in looking at how this makes life difficult. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Because it's certain. <laughs> All right, have a wonderful day. Good night and good luck. And may you be happy. May you be beautiful, you mean. <laughs> the copyright of this recording is owned by the Radical Change Group and the individual contributors. Permission to copy and distribute freely is granted, provided that the entire recording and this notice remain intact. Please visit us at www.radicalchangegroup.com. Your comments and feedback will be greatly appreciated.